0: Okay, we are going to pick back up, and I've just, I thought about reviewing, and I just thought, I just can't. Uh, We will not have time, and I want you to have discussion tonight. So if if any of this feels, and some of you, I know you're you're new tonight, and I'm so glad you're here for the month of July, this material will stand on its own over the next four weeks. We're going to talk about best practices, and I can share stories along the way of how God's used this stuff in my life. We're, not out, we're out of theory talk. We're now down to like, this is what it takes to do it. Okay? So we're going to lean into that. We're going to we'll look at some Scripture, but don't come in thinking for the month of July, I'm going to take you exegetically through a text or something like that. We're here to talk nuts and bolts. My idea is that when we leave out of here, I'll tell you how we all can be more like missionaries where we live, work, and play and if it just started with this group right in this room tonight, we have a tipping point, as one business writer talks about. We, can, we alone can tip the scales here and do something unique. So I, I really want you to lean into that tonight. And uh, I got lots of notes, and so I need to uh, position myself better for what we're going to do. So we're not going to review because I fear I would take too much time to do that. And so we're going to jump in. Any terms that feel new to you? We'll talk about them, be happy to answer questions in a moment. podcast on our website has nine weeks of missional quest. It'll look like that on the logo. You can go back and listen to some of that. And if you click, which probably no one has until uh, they've known about it, maybe, you can click details, and there's a Google Drive link. And I upload, every time I upload audio, I upload the slides. You can click that link or copy it into a Chrome uh, app on your phone And pull your browser up and you can look at the slides while you're listening to the audio. So you literally can catch it. Because some of this is dense and I get it. A very nerdy friend of mine wrote it and trains people through it. And if you met him, you'd go, wow, I bet he loves smart stuff. And you would be right. All right. So all that's my precursor for tonight. The central theme is this tonight. Good news for my city. For my city. And one of the things we want to think about is this tonight, that though circumstance or happenstance may appear to be what brought you to the place that you live currently, but as Christ followers, you can be assured that God has sent you on assignment as a participant in His mission to the world. Let me say it in my words, your locale is no accident. God bringing Rick and his family, yes, he's following his grandchildren. Yes, that's what God's put in his heart. He'll tell you that story. But I also know God has brought that dear brother to this locale, to this faith community, that none of this is on accident. Yes, Mark works for the Air Force and and he does things, but his assignments, his positions, yes, Stephen's a truck driver, but everything in the neighborhood he's living in and the people he delivers to are no accident. You see where I'm going here, don't you? None of this is accidental. And when we understand that, then the people in our immediate neighborhood and our surrounding communities are the ones that the Lord has sent us to. And He's raising us up to be with these people Um, So let me just say it like this, as individuals and the collective body of Christ, we are called to seek the welfare of the very people we are living among. Now, why did I underline individuals and collectively? Because this is important. This is not just something that Forefront Church does. This is something that Lee Kemp does as an individual and Lee Kemp does with Forefront. And you go, okay, well, yeah, you're the pastor. No, no, no. This is something that you should do as an individual, and then you also do with Forefront. A lot of times you'll find people that have a heart for something. Like there was a sweet member the other day that wanted me to meet uh, an acquaintance um, and I can't I want to talk too much more about it because I want to keep that confidential, but I met this person that this person wanted me to meet because they knew that I could be an encouragement to them, And I was glad to do it, but I also wanted to remind that person, God put that person in your life, too. Like God is using you. He wants to use you. Yes, you may want me to come by. Yes, I'm happy to do that. This, this, this man was a veteran. I mean, I love to meet veterans. I mean, this guy is on the edge of his life, literally. He you knows he has esophagus cancer. He's going to meet the Lord, and he wanted someone to do his funeral. So I'm going to be doing his funeral. And we got to talk about the gospel. I'm very glad to have met him. But I think so often it's, it, we have trained in the South and probably in the Western culture, you get a heart for something, and the first thing you should do is just go talk to Pastor so-and-so about it. And I get that. Yes, there's some encouragement in that. But we've created this clergy and laity divide that is not meant to be in the body of Christ. Uh, I am am one man that's a member of this church family. And you say, well, where where would you find that biblically? Well, look at me in the middle of your Bible. If you were to close your middle of your Bible and open it, in the middle is usually Psalms. And if you'll turn to the right you can get to Jeremiah. You got to skip over Isaiah. He's a pretty big guy. He has a lot to talk about. But Jeremiah 29. We've all heard verse 11 before, for I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And that's all like Christian Hallmark cards galore. No one ever knows the context. And we went over this in the previous week, so I'm not going to beat on this too hard here, but the context Of verse 11, that's so beautiful, is verses like 4 through 7, right? So let's read this. This says this in Jeremiah 29 Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and, and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. And then if that isn't enough and you go, okay, so you sent us into exile. Did you catch that? God sent them into Babylonian exile. Now look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And then verse 11. Oh, by the way, I know the plans I have for you. (laughs) Not to harm you. Why is he having to tell them that? Because they might have thought of this as like a harm situation. God says, I didn't intend that. But I've I literally, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. I'm going to put you here. You're going to prosper here. It's not your land. I'll bring you back to your land. So, why do I bring that up? Well, I bring that up because I believe the, the words that we find in the New Testament, um, the apostolic or the word apostle literally means sent ones. That God, in Ephesians 4, talks about He's given some people to the church, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Those apostles are people who are sent. And here's the, the illustration Paul keeps telling people. We're all sent by God into the world. To be as God's ambassadors, as though God is making His appeal through you and me, we are to live that kind of life so that people could understand. We're just saying the simple thing, guys. Listen, be reconciled to God because God is moving through His Son, Jesus. The thing is, most of us view our neighborhoods and cities as little more than places that we live. I mean, if you really just think about it, like like Fort Smith, it's just what I have, and we just hope for the best, like for a safe, peaceful Crime free community with good schools, parks, employment opportunities, art, entertainment venues. But a missional person sees his neighborhood differently, and a missional church views its diff- community differently too. It's easy uh, to look at this neighborhood page that Fianna Hills has uh, popping off on Facebook. I'm a member of it. Some of you live up here, you may be a member of it. And on it, it's just interesting. You can tell what people are striving for. I don't know how many people I've heard get upset about the fireworks. Or get upset about this. Or someone's driving a truck and a trailer all through our neighborhood. I don't know what's going on. And then someone posts, I just went and talked to him. He's a guy that works for AT&T and he's going to be sodding all our broken yards. He's just trying to drive around and figure out how much sod he needs to get. Maybe we could stop assuming the worst, everybody. You know, I'm like, this stuff happens. I mean, people are just nasty with each other constantly. Uh, it's just people talking about, this dog won't shut up behind my house. I'm just going to get a, you know, an air horn and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I mean, you just look at people wanting what they want And here's the thing I want to encourage you with. We're not meant to join that kind of chatter. We are meant to observe it, look at it, and get to know the neighbors and the people around us. We are meant to crack into this. Uh, Let me say it this way. A missional church is a fellowship made up of people who individually, there it is again, and collectively... Own the responsibility for the welfare of their particular community as a whole. For me, I'll tell you what this has looked like. Fianna Hill's median for a long time on Jenny Lind was awful. And I was like, dude, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go weed eat it. Stephen at this time and season was interning and serving uh, with me, alongside me on mission here at Forefront in that season that God was going in. And we were out there weeding, man. That's what we did. Why? Because we saw something we could sit around and complain about. But you know what? I've got a weed eater. I've got a blower. You know what it started doing? It started getting other people to care about it. It started getting the, the POA to care about It started people realizing, like, why is the pastor of the church up here out there blowing the curb off and weed eating. It was a way for me to not be, say, I wanna be seen. It's like, it's just, man, I'm gonna find that problem and I'm gonna go fill it. Why? Because actually I like to weed eat. Right? So until I was done with it, and then I was like, ooh, let's forget about this. This is a lot. And then I inevitably would find myself back at it. If our hopes of becoming a missional church are to be realized, we must open our eyes to be missional people and the very places we live and we frequent. This begins with the street you live on, which is your most immediate mission field. And these pathways then stretch out to towns, cities, and corridors of residential and commercial activity. Here's what I like to insert, the grid of shame. Let's take a test tonight. You can draw this. You may not have that pretty of a neighborhood, right, like where you have a house behind you, beside you, you know, but you get the general gist. You have your own grid of shame you could draw. Usually it's the eight houses near your house. And here it is. Do you know their first names? Usually people do pretty good here, right? How many could say, man, I know first names, right? Good, yeah. You're like, that's, that's Joe, that's Joanne, there's, there's Bob, there's, you know, all this. Stuff. But then last names start to go down, right? How many of us know last names? First names and last names. Got it, right? Then it goes into something unique. If it, what I mean by that is you have to have had multiple conversations to have discovered something only people who have done that know about that family. For, for me, how I know you know me, as if you know about my son's PKU disease, right? You would know he has a blood disease. You would know we don't eat, uh, he does not eat bread, cheese, milk, pasta, or any kind of meat. Like That's a very unique thing. So that would be, is there something unique? Have they been in your home? That's question number four. Have they been in your home? How many of you could say all of my eight have been in my home? Yeah, even I can't because I've I've moved to the church. I've had lots in my home, but not all eight. And then lastly, had they reciprocated it and you have been in their home? This is practical because we talk about, we're going to reach the neighborhood for Christ. Hey, bro, do you even know their names? (laughs) Like, do you even know their last names? Are you literally going to have it in the phone? Like, I still have Zach Kruger as Zach Young Life Guy. In my phone, anybody do that? You save numbers in your phone, and that's how you do it. Oh, Daryl, uh, l- lumber salesman dude, right? You know, or or I'll be like, so and so, old guy, right? Like, I mean, all I like all I know to do, so that if they text me, I'll go, oh yeah, that's the old guy. Oh, oh yeah, that's the crazy lumber guy. Oh yeah, that's my whatever. That's what we tend to do in com- kind of like perpetuity with our neighbors. You deserve to give God's best to your neighborhood and learn names. When I'm so intentional when we first moved. One of the things I'll try to do is I keep a little journal page in like the kitchen cabinet. Because one, nobody puts paper in the kitchen cabinet. Like that'll stay there. And I have to draw a grid and I have to get that intentional. Okay, Frances Williams, sweet lady living with her daughter, Jessica. Okay, you know, I start keeping that in my log. Maybe you're sharp and you don't need to do that. I have a, a really good relationship with one of my neighbors, so much that his son felt like he wanted a relationship with my daughter. That's how, how real we got. But, but we have a neighborhood party at their house finally the other night. And uh, of course, I've been in their home a lot. You know, we were really close to them. But there's this other neighbor, uh, the Taylors, who um, I took their son to our Young Life camp and I've gotten to know him pretty much. He's been in my house a lot. We've even had his family in our house. But then finally, we got to DEF CON 5. Finally, after two years, and me showing them a couple pictures of their son on my phone because he shared none of the activity from camp with his parents, like all teenagers never would, right? I was like, look at your son doing a flip-off of this rope swing. Look at your son doing this. Look. They were like, what if you guys came over one night and you could show us all of those photos? And I looked at him and I said, I would love to do that. And then I looked at my wife and we left in the car. We're like, we're in. We're in. That's how I know if I really know you, if you've had me in your home. Why? Because in America, that's our safe space. I have to be vulnerable if you're going to come to my house. I got to be careful what image I show if you're coming to my house. Every time we have a membership class, I have my wife, we call our cleaner, and we professionally clean the residence before someone comes over. The day before. And then I tell my kids, don't you think about eating? Don't you think about doing anything? I'm mean, like, that's why, because what do we want to do? We want to show our best. I'm just telling you, this is a practical thing. And instead of it being seen as the grid of shame, let me flip it now for you, because I've talked about it. What if it was the grid of possibilities? Hey, God, how can I be like you in my neighborhood? God, give me this opportunity to fill out this grid. That's where it starts. Imagine if every forefront member wherever they lived just did this one thing. And imagine the residual impact that could come from that. So let's talk about seeking the best for our city. When we make conscious committed decision on a daily basis to seek the best for our neighborhoods and our cities, life flourishes not only for us, But for the lives we touch, and no matter how we reach out, even if it seems small, and this is the phrase I want you to hear, our cumulative actions become proportionally significant. What I'm telling you is, by being a friendly, kind, peaceful person who cares to be intentional and learn names, unique things, open hospitality to them receiving hospitality from them, we now have to do this. I don't know if anyone's seen the movie Failure to Launch, but in the movie Failure to Launch, Matt McConaughey movie, uh, this, uh, I forget her name, she decides that her company, what she'll do is she helps parents who want to get these 30-somethings year old kids out of their house, and they're boys that won't leave the house, and the whole movie, the premise is she's going to get Matt McConaughey out of his house, and one of those steps, she says in the movie, she says, he's got to help me through a crisis, and so she, mo- she mocks up this dog who's about to die. She brings him to the vet office, she pretends it's her dog, and then literally she's crying and weeping, And then he walks out and she's like, can you just give me a minute? Yeah, and he walks out and then it's just her and the vet and she's like, so whose dog is this? You know, and there's this moment, She staged the whole thing, but when she goes back out to the lobby, Matt McConaughey has to console her. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't think you've got to be the hero all the time. We have to let our neighbors into our lives. If you've got a problem and your neighbor can help you, don't think. Well, I'm here to be the Christian witness. I can't be vulnerable and show myself to need them. That's malarkey. Call the neighbor. Uh, how I got to know Matt one time when we were first moved here. I was like, "Man, Matt, do you have a shop vac?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah, dude. Why? What's up?" We just had so much sewer back up in our residence over here, and I think I could use an extra shop vac, dude. I'll come over and I'll help you. He literally came over and helped us with one of the most vulnerable things you can find yourself with, sewer backup. And I'm telling you, without being too piffy, I'd like to be more piffier, if you don't let the neighbors help you handle your... then you're going to miss it. Then you're going to miss it. Be vulnerable. Be opening up. Be involving into these things. One lady, Johanna somebody, that last name is something. She says this about God's people. She says, when in choosing Israel as a segment of all humanity, God never took His eye off of the other nations. In other words, God's election of Abraham and Israel concerns the whole world. And here's what I want you to point out about this. Though we are grafted in, and we're not going to get into that trail though we are now brought into this family of God and God is blessing us and we are a chosen people and a royal nation, a holy priesthood and all of those things that the scripture tells us, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Let me say that again. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. So as God's missionary people, the sent ones it is incumbent upon us to constantly ask missionary questions. Let me give you an example of these. Some questions we should be asking would be, um, how would a missionary live on my street? What would he or she notice is missing here? Who are the poor, marginalized, and hurting in my neighborhood? In what ways would my neighborhood be different if God's kingdom came here as it is in heaven? What would good news be for my neighbors right here, right now? You feel the flavor of that? When I move in and I think about it, what can I do? If God brought His kingdom on earth... In Fianna Hills, which is where I live, but wherever you live, as it is in heaven, if you came then, what would it look like? Let me tell you something. The hungry family would have help, would they not? The sick would be cared for, probably cured at that point, but cared for at least, would they not? Nobody would probably do without. People would care for one another. Listen to way one writer who wrote with Brad right about it. His name's Lance. He says, my wife and I moved into a neighborhood and quickly learned of a man who lived in the house behind ours, who most of the other neighbors considered crazy. His reclusive ways and unkept yard and vehicle served to further distance any meaningful connection to those around him. I, Lance, began to pay little visits to him when I would see him outside, initiating friendship. I discovered Jim isn't crazy at all. He's just odd. He used to be an early computer programmer and is actually quite brilliant. Knowing that Jim would have no one to share Thanksgiving or Christmas with, Jim now spends those days with my family. And my wife and I could have easily given notice to one of the many Thanksgiving Day community meals or had a meal delivered to Jim. But the issue in this instance is not just the need for a meal. The relationship of being with another is just as important, if not more important. Could have just sent a meal to the gym, could have done all kinds of things. He just said, I wanted to get to know him. A lot of times we see problems, and if you're like me, I love to feel that I can feel like I'm completing something. And so I would have just said, Let's go mow the yard. I'll get five men, we'll go clean this yard up. We actually used to do that in the neighborhood with, with, uh, on second Saturdays of every month. We'd go out in the community and we would just mow yards for free. And there's a place for that. But what he's saying is, I needed to lean in and just meet Jim. I needed to get to know Jim. Grass withers, flowers fall. Jim, soul lives forever. Amen. Frank Somebody, once again, last complicated names, says this The simple program of Christ for winning the whole world is to make each person he touches magnetic enough with love to draw others. This is what he does. He does this work in your life that when you're like, man, do you have people like this? Or you're like, when I just meet them, they're just motivational. When I just meet them, I I, I hang out with Daryl, and I like Daryl, because Daryl's crazy as I am. And and if I get to talking to him, and the reason I need to pray with him is because I pray with some people, but I like praying with him because he's really chipper and wild and audacious and kind of like I am at heart. And so if I'm feeling down, I need that. We need to be magnetic with the love of God in our hearts. Now, you may not be extroverted like I am. Then introverted will look It'll look similar. It'll feel similar. It just won't look the same. The mechanism of that will be different, but still, nonetheless, I feel cared for when I'm with somebody. Uh, I went and brought some tubs to Rick's house the other day, and Rick comes out, and I'm bringing these tubs that he loaned me to help move my mom out of, out of her house to assisted living. And as I'm talking to him, uh, I'm like, "Thank you," and then he goes, "How are you doing?" And I could tell he was just genuine, and I was like. Uh, me or my mom or what? And he's like, "How are you doing?" It was just kind of like, "Wherever you want to go, bud, I'm right here." I think so often we just we miss the thoughtfulness to just slow down in the moment. We're all usually really busy. We got things going on, and Jesus followers and faithful churches. Our cities on hills, lights in the midst of darkness, and even the people in the surrounding neighborhoods may not join us, but they have no choice but to see what God is doing in and through us. That is important for us. Now, how do I know that? Look at Matthew 5 with me. This beautiful sermon given by Jesus. I love these verses. He says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, or give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is important because we ought to be such people that people who aren't believers and followers of Christ say this, you know, I just thank God that I have you. I've had people say that before and I go, wait a minute, they don't even really believe in God, but they're saying that phrase they've heard before, I just thank God for you. In other words, people ought to see what we're there for and who we are and the light we can bring to the situations at hand. Not what we're against, what we're for. Let me give you an illustration of how this could be done. But before I do that, let me just say this. It is about knowing people, then meeting needs. People have to come first. People have to come first. Now, how do you let people come first? If people come first, we have to change what we do. The best illustration of this is light, L-I-G-H-T, and we're going to break it down because the fonts on the TVs aren't capable of doing this. Uh, I'm going to have multiple slides, but the word light on the side just stays there for your reference. L for light. Here's a challenge I want to give all of us tonight. If We're going to be the light. Let's use this as a, as a, as a challenge. L, listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm challenging you for one hour a week. You can do that over four different times at 15 minutes. Or you could just do it in one long one hour session. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Say nothing. You can ask. But this is not a time to pray for your cousins and uncles and all those things. This is a time to listen to God. You're like, well, I've never done that before. I am double dog. Nope, triple dog. Now you got to do it. Triple dog daring you to listen to God for an hour. And if you find that awkward, you can also do it in a public setting. Just don't be creepy in that setting either. But sometimes it's helpful to go to a busy place and just listen to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever done this, but go to like the mall or something. That's the mall's hardly popping off anymore. But you, go somewhere public and sit there and, and ask. I've done this before, Lord. What are these people going through in their life? And then I just start watching. And then I, then I engage in conversation. You'd be surprised. I invite others to share a meal. This could be at your house. but That's risque, as we've already talked about. This is my no-no square. You want to make your house the no-no, right? This is, the, this is what... But listen, you can be vulnerable or it can be public and go to a restaurant you can do whatever three meals but three meals and here's what I want to challenge you with one with someone in the faith one with someone that's not in the faith and one from either category you see missionaries would meet with believers would they not yes they would but they wouldn't only meet with believers would they no they wouldn't and one out of either you have 21 potential meals i skip breakfast You still have 14 opportunities, right? And then if you really need me to meet with you, I'll meet you in the morning. We'll have breakfast, okay? But there's 21 meals. I'm only saying take away three for the God's purposes of doing something. Challenging? Maybe, right? G, give a blessing three times a week with the same genres. One that's in the faith, one that's not in the faith, and one out of either category. Give a blessing. This could be an email, but I don't even know if anyone emails anymore. It could be a messenger thing. It could be a voice thing. If you're just literally not wanting to type, you could do a voice recording. You could do whatever it looks like. You could call them. You could, you could buy something, but it's not really supposed to just be something that's bought. It could be. But you're finding a way to give a blessing to three people, one that's in the faith, one that's not in the faith, and one out of either category. H, hear from the Gospels daily. It's cool to have a Bible reading plan, uh, you know, that takes you to different places. There is something about reading some section of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that help you take on the heart of Jesus. And you'll find yourself quoting all these examples of Jesus when you're talking to people because you just hear from the gospels every day you'll find yourself talking like Jesus because why you've heard Jesus every day in your life we always talk about being Christ-like but we go to like Pauline parts of the New Testament which there's nothing wrong with that it's the New Testament but there's this section in the New Testament that literally quotes Jesus often it's called the gospels so if we're going to be Christ-like go and read Christ's words. All right, number T. Take inventory of the day. How did I respond to the leading of God today? And you have to ask the the second one. How did I resist the leading of God? And I'm telling you those are hard ones. The other day I was at camp, Stephen will appreciate this. And I've been almost traumatized over history past about people and what they believe about prayer, healing, and all these things. And I've, we've went through these things with people that left our fellowship because we're not Holy Spirit enough, or, you know, all those things that we've experienced in history past together a long time ago, all the way back to 2013, doing this thing together. But I was at camp, and I felt the nudge of the Spirit of God say, There's a bo- I looked over and I saw this boy, at camp, hurting on his ankle really, really bad. Hurting real, real bad. And you could tell the person there didn't really know what to do. She was like, I don't, uh Band-Aid? You know, like it was this moment, you know, we're going to get someone that knows more of what to do here. And the Lord said, I want you to go over there. I want you to pray for his healing. And I was like, Lord, I want to go to dinner so bad. I don't really want to do this. All the feelings of, what if you don't even answer it? Like, What are we doing? Like, I literally had this convo like a little child. Do I have to? And I kept walking a couple more times. No, really, go do it. Oh, man. Finally, I was like, here I go. Not going to be weird, but it's going to be weird. And I walked over and I was like, hey, dude, how you doing, man? I got down on it. Hey, man, how did this happen? Oh, I just went over and did this. Hey, man, can I just pray for you for a second? Yeah. All right, Father God, thank you so much for bringing him to this camp. Pray you continue to speak into his heart. God, this is really interrupting things and in what you're doing. I'm just asking the name of Jesus, would you just heal this man's ankle right now? God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your love. We trust you. Amen. And here's the thing. You go, did it work? Did it not work? I'm just going to tell you. I got up and like Lot's wife, never, well, no, Lot's wife looked back. Like Lot, I got up and I never looked back because I thought, if I look back and want praise for this, I don't know if God will answer that prayer. So I was like, good to know you, dude. And I walked to the cafeteria. All I can tell you is I walked back and I never saw that kid at that shack ever again getting any assistance or help. And I never saw that kid limping again. I don't know what happened, nor do I care because it scared me. i tell you what I did do. I responded to God telling me to do something. Can I tell you, often the Lord will tell me to do things like that and I resist it. Resist it. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, God. You need to take inventory, not just of your successes, but the moments where you say, "Mm, maybe another time. Any questions about light? Any thoughts about it that you want to lay out as a question before we move on? It's a big resource. And you know what? Let me just say this. I'm not saying, wow, Lee, you do this all the time. Honestly, no. Some of this is now unconscious, probably for me. I probably behave like that, but it's more unconscious. But if I find myself in a lull, and I'm bored, and I don't know what to do in ministry right now, and I'm just really tired of like, oh, forefront's just kind of lame, and blah, blah, blah. I search my heart, and then I start making myself legalistically do light. I'll go, okay, Lee, Here's what you're going to do. Where are you listening? Where are you going to do that this week? Who are you going to invite to share a meal with? Who are you going to bless? How are you going to hear from the Gospels? Where are you going to take inventory? I'm telling you, it will fire you back up. Any questions? Yeah. So the question is, when we talk about listening to the Holy Spirit, I uh, hear you saying, like, what does that look like? How do you know if you've done it? And all those things. First of all, I, don't, I did not hear audible words saying, go pray for that guy. But everything in my spirit—it was more louder than words. Just said, "Go pray for that guy." It was a—it was more of the, the inescapable thought that I should do it, and I knew it wasn't me because I didn't want to do it, um, and I doubted the devil really wants me to go lay hands on him and pray for his healing, right? So, um, one of the things I'll tell people, uh, there's a whole thought we could get into this. One practical tip I will tell you is, um, if there are things in your mind that you have got before you, then go ahead and don't count this in your hour of listening, but lay out everything you have in your heart and your mind before the Lord as a casting of your cares before Him first. If you have any anger in your life, you need to walk through and get rid of all the the things that have made you angry recently about... uh, Yes, Steve-O? Yeah. So so I, I agree with that. Hearing from the Gospels would really help that. That time also may be a lot of just sitting still for a while. And that's okay too. It's okay to be still for a minute before the Lord. The other thing I will try to do is I will, I will get a notebook and a pen out and I'll just say, Lord, what is it that you want me to know and encouragement about whatever issue I'm praying about? And then I will clear my mind for a minute. And every thought that I comes to my mind or a verse or anything of that nature that comes up, I journal it down. And as I journal it down, later on I'll look back, and here's what you should always do. If you're asking the Lord to speak to you, you need to ask, is what I heard line up with the Bible? And so a lot of times I will go back and I will, I will pull the Scriptures and I'll make sure what I felt like, what wrote down actually feels biblical. And then I will take that as an encouragement for the Lord. A lot of times I will think of, a lot of times we go, you know, it just feels like I'm encouraging myself. You know, David, King David incited himself in the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with your spirit being encouraging to your spirit. Uh, We are temples of the Holy Spirit. There should be something magnificent about that. And it's about reflecting and meditating on the hearing of the word of the Gospels. And then, Lord, what do you want me to know from this text? And allowing yourself to receive it and hear it. More that could be coached about that, but that's a good way of at least starting into it. Yeah, Mark. So this is the Yeah, this is. This is a, not a, uh, a thought process, a conscience. This is the third part of the Trinity, right? Is what you're saying. Yeah, you're hitting a good point. So a competent, resourced missionary can react quickly to the needs. But the thing I want to put a caution in there for us is that, I think I put this in here. No, nope, I didn't. Uh, we could meet needs without meeting the people, and that's a detriment. That's what I want to say here. You, you can easily go in and meet a need. Uh, one missionary talks about taking care of the poor. And if you go in there just feeding people and not getting to know them, you can feed them until the cows come home. But Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. But relationships need to be bought into that. Um, and that's what we want to see as we look at this. Moving forward, the church is not the kingdom of God. It is an instrument or an entity within the kingdom of God. See, often we've heard pastors say, Sunday's the Super Bowl and we make church important. Church is important. But we are a part of something much bigger than Forefront Church or any of the churches in Fort Smith. We are a part of the kingdom of God where God is seeking and saving the lost. Let me say it this way. We are God's tangible expression of how He feels about the world. So for most Christians are overwhelmed by what they believe to be their own lack of talent or gifting or expertise to help others, the good news is that none of us have to have all the answers or all the resources or all the solutions. That is one of the things that makes communities so colorful and creative. Let me quote uh, one guy. He says this about developing vibrant communities. He says, we begin to see the neighborhood as a treasure chest. By opening the chest and putting the gifts together in many different ways, we multiply the power of its riches. Think of the street you live on. Consider the homes on either side of your house as they stretch in both directions. Think of the houses on the other side of the street. It would amaze us if we really knew the gifts and talents of the people living in those homes, not to mention the resources contained in their garages, sheds, or houses themselves. And so the tragedy of dysfunctional families and neighborhoods is that the potential gifts of their members are never given. One of the things I try to echo to Fianna Hills is this continually. We have all the things we need in this neighborhood to make this neighborhood great. We have, as Mark tells me, we have all the things we need as Forefront Church, within Forefront Church to do what God has for us, at least to start doing what God has for us to be right now. The problem is we lack it. We lack actually giving those things because it takes us having to be more vulnerable. The last slide before before questions. The road to loving our neighborhood and cities, it can begin as a treasure hunt. This doesn't have to be a laborious thing that we have to do that becomes drudgery and we just get all disappointed and all disgruntled about and Feel guilty over and like, well, it better be light, because Lee said light. I better go blah, blah, blah. Oh, I gotta do that grit of shame. Preacher just lost his mind tonight. You know, like there's a lot. These are, these are things that should turn us to the idea of the treasure hunt. The idea that when Jesus was seeking, saving the lost, imagine when he was selecting the twelve. He was walking around and he saw Peter. And he said, yep, yep, you're it. Let me move over here for a minute. Hey, y'all caught any fish? No, uh-uh. Why you, don't you your net on the other side? Hey, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I'm reducing that way down, but it, he had to be real with people. He had to be in communities. He had to call those people. Um, questions for us tonight that I'd like you to think about. I'd like to take... Uh, a good 15 minutes at least, and, and break off into groups or to think about these questions. Up to the present, how seriously have you considered your street and neighborhood to be in your mission field? Number two, do you consider our church to not just be speakers of good news? And how so? Do you, do you see us as more than just people that talk a talk? Or are we walking a walk? Uh, Number three, how many neighbors on your street do you know by name? And how many of them have been in your home? And lastly, do you know their fears? Uh, Sorry, I typed that kind of weird. Do you know the fears of your neighbors? That's what it should be. And you would say, why would you say fears? Like, once again, that's a negative thing, isn't it? No, because everything that they find fearful is an opportunity for me. So when someone asks, why did I get so enraptured trying to help save the country club and the golf course in Fianna Hills. One, our church has seven acres up here, so that's important. I should be involved. Two, it was the fear, and Daryl can attest to this, he was in those meetings, of every person who thought about Fianna Hills. And then thirdly, I knew it would put me in front of the conversation of some of the people that care the most about this neighborhood and are going to step into those things. And the fruit of that, hey, we didn't save that. It didn't happen. But the connections that were made is what I think God was after. But even then the other day, I got called in and the owner of the club had me meet his manager again. And they wanted to meet with just little old me and said, could you share your survey results with us again from the neighborhood? And could you tell us how you did that? And could you, and they started asking resourcing questions because they want to open it back up. And they were wanting to talk to me about how could they do that? Now, why would they do that? Because I, they know I'm a guy that walked into the fears of a lot of people and said, Hey, we can do it. You know, not everything has to be successful, but we do need to be engaging in conversations with people. If you know the fears of your neighborhood, or you know the, and it may not be things that pertain to the neighborhood, it could be a fear of death. Maybe someone in their family. It could be un, untangible fears that that are really present in their mind? And those are good missionary questions. Any question about anything for a second before we do that? Great. I'm glad that was so crystal clear. Uh, I want to encourage us tonight. Let's get into groups of uh, four or five people. I'm not going to tell you how many groups. Just get into groups of, like somewhere between four to six people. Let's huddle around these questions for a moment And then uh, we'll have some good discussion for a minute.